Welcome to our Sunday morning worship service at Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Our senior pastor, Matt Shia, is taking a break this morning, while our missionaries from Cameroon, Joe and Donna Ryder, take a break from their busy lives on furlough here in the United States this year, and Joe is going to bring us the word, talking about surrendering all that we have to our Lord Jesus Christ, taking up our cross and following Him, and what that looks like in our daily lives. And now let's go ahead and join Joe as he brings us the Word of God. So let's welcome Joe right now. Joe? Well, it's good to be able to share with you this morning. Um, we've been back for eight, nine months already. It doesn't seem possible. Time is going by very quickly. But we are very blessed and consider ourselves to be very blessed to be part of this church family. This morning, I, uh, you notice I've dressed a little different. I look a little different than I normally do. Um, <laughs> it started already. <laughs> I have there with me this morning what we call the Hoover Vacuum Cleaner of Cameroon. I bring this with me whenever I speak. Matt's already seen this twice this week. So I got to share over at Calvary Chapel uh, Christian School this week. But the reason I bring this is this is a great illustration of what it means to be part of this missions task. You guys are partners in the ministry of Bible translation, whether you realize it or not. We joined Wycliffe in 1997, and now that we look back, we say, wow, we've been with Wycliffe for 10 years. It doesn't seem possible. It just seems like weeks ago or a couple years ago that we were walking through these doors on a Sunday morning with teenagers all over the place, and skateboarders and things like that. Well, this is the vacuum cleaner. Very often, a Cameroonian woman will be sweeping her house or sweeping her yard with this, make sure it looks clean. And it's made of pine needles from a special pine tree in Cameroon, but it's made up of a lot of individual needles. And if I were to go and try to sweep up this sanctuary this morning with just this one pine needle, I wouldn't be very effective, would I? And that's what it's all about, is we are partners together in this ministry of Bible translation. You know, hearing Stan's voice, and when I'm in Cameroon, I hear Stan's voice even in Cameroon. In the back of my mind, I can hear Stan say, mm-hmm, you know. But Stan is a dear friend. Uh, Stan prays for us very regularly, and it's not to embarrass Stan, but he is faithful. And very often, we get a word of encouragement from Stan, and it's like an um, mm-hmm, because there's that email that says, I prayed this for you today, I prayed this for you today, I prayed this for you today. And that really fuels our jest. We're part of this task of reaching the world with the gospel together. It's not you just sending the missionary out. It's us together doing this ministry. And so this morning, as I share with you, it's a journey that I've been on for the last year, year and a half. The Lord has been slowly bringing me along, and I'd like to take you on the journey that I have been on, on a personal journey of what God has been doing in my life, not only here, but also in Cameroon. But before we do that this morning, I have something exciting to share with you. Last time we were here, I gave you, we taught, I taught you a Cameroonian greeting in a certain language, and we were play, praying for a New Testament to come into fruition. Well, I have that New Testament this morning. For several hundred thousand people, God's word has come to them in the language of their heart for the Cone people. 
People where we did our orientation, we lived with a, a comb family for three weeks in their village, ate what they ate, slept in their house, did what they did. And so this morning, I would like to give this as, to the church as a thank you. So Matt, I'd like to give you a copy of the Comb New Testament, and uh, hopefully that will serve as a reminder, as a thank you for joining us in this task of Bible translation. Well, like I said earlier, this has been a journey that I have been on for the last year and a half or six months. It's not always been an easy journey, but God has been with me every step of the way. Something I don't want to forget to mention this morning and, uh, is to greet you. And it's very Cameroonian to greet you. From our church in Cameroon, Covenant Baptist Church and the congregation there send their greetings to you. They say thank you for sharing me and our family with, with them. Pastor Johnson, Indy Formumbe. I like to say that ten times fast. <laughs> As really, our hearts have been bonded together. God has allowed me the opportunity to preach in a Cameroonian church about once a month. And Pastor Johnson, that's his first name, calls me his pastor. And I say, no. He said, you preach three Sundays, I preach one. You're my pastor. Well, we have two home churches. One is here in Southern California. The other is in Cameroon. And so when we're there, we feel very much at home, very much loved by the congregation there. And when we're here, we also feel very much at home and very much loved. This morning, I'd like to ask you a question. What is your calling? Think about that for a moment. What is your calling? What is the call that God has placed on your life? For me, it's real easy. You can look at me and say, yeah, God has called him to be a missionary. Not just because I can wear these clothes. And not just because I've gone overseas. Because, you know, everyone in this room could do what I'm doing if God calls you to do it. If God calls you to go, he's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the insights that you need in the culture. He's going to be with you every step of the way to allow you to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. This past year, we've spoken in a lot of different places, and very often the common thing that I hear is many say, thank you for doing what you're doing. I could never do what you're doing. And I say, you're wrong. It's only by God's grace that I can do what I'm doing. Don and I can survive in the country of Cameroon. John Piper said this, there are three kinds of Christians in this world. There are radical goers, radical senders, or the disobedient. Those are harsh words. And the first time I heard those, I said, time out. Let's put the brakes on here. And we've come to learn to love John Piper. John Piper actually is his sister-in-law, is my next-door neighbor. He's been to Cameroon a couple times. He's involved in a seminary there in Cameroon. And he very much has a heart for missions. And I thought, wait a minute, John, those are strong words. We're either radical goers, radical senders, or we're disobedient. And as I look at God's word, and I'm reminded in Revelation chapter 7, verse verse 9, about the people standing before the throne, clothed in white robes, saying, glory to God in the highest, praising God. You know who those people are? People from every tribe and tongue and nation. 
I'm excited this morning that there'll be some comb people in heaven dressed like I am, maybe. I don't know. Maybe the robes like this will be white, but it'll be, it might look African. I don't know. But I'm excited that God will finish the story, so to speak, and it ends in Revelation, and we get to see that. We get to witness that firsthand. We get to be a part of that. So God calls some of us to go. To go into the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. But God also, just like that broom, calls, is, has other partners in that ministry. The senders. Those who stay behind, that will pray and pray and pray. Pick missionaries up from the airport. Thank you, Vicki and Carrie. Came all the way out to LAX, picked us up in our vehicle, plus their vehicle of their own, because when missionaries travel, we had travel with a lot of luggage. We live on two continents. But it's those little things that are partnerships in the task of reaching the world with the gospel. Some of you give financially, and God has blessed you and enabled you to do do that. We have churches that give us hundreds of dollars. We have churches that give us $25. We have individuals who give us more than some churches do, and they don't have the money to do it and they make the sacrifices. And you're all part of that broom. All part of the team, so to speak. Some say it's too difficult to be a missionary, to be a goer. So I, you know, so I won't go. There might be snakes. (laughs) There might be bugs, insects. You know something? We have learned to love ants in Cameroon. (laughs) This is going to gross some of you out, just to warn you ahead of time. But we have roaches, like the size they do in Texas. You could put a saddle on them and ride them. (laughs) But we live in an apartment in Cameroon. It's made up of uh, cement block walls. We have a zinc or a metal roof, an old corrugated roof. So when it rains, it's hard to hear. And then we have uh, white tile floors. Now, that would not seem logical in the country of Cameroon. We have couple different seasons in Cameroon. We actually have four. They're the long rainy season, the long dry season, the short rainy season, and the short dry season. So either in that house, and remember we have two boys, well three boys, <laughs> during rainy season, the dirt, well let me preface this, the dirt in Cameroon is red. Okay, So when we come in the house, after having been outside on those nice tile floors, guess what color things turn? We take our shoes off at the door. But that red dirt finds its way through the house. And so very often we have to sweep and mop the floors almost daily. Well, during dry season, we have the opposite problem. It's not the mud we have to worry about, but the dust. And that dust gets everywhere. So that's what we we live with. We live in a house with white tile floors. I share that with you because when you smack a roach... It leaves a spot on the floor. That's all I'll say about that. But you know something? I am so thankful that ants like roach. Very often at night, we may be reading, and we're sitting on our couches and reading, and we swat that roach, we leave it where it lies. That next morning, you know, that white tile floor will be as white as the day it was mopped. 
Those ants take care of that. So there are blessings in insects. <laughs> but this journey I've been on over the last several 18 months or so has not been an easy jersey, jury, journey. But I'm very thankful for it. I'm very thankful for the hard times. And if you turn with your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Now, for those of you that are teenagers or college students, we're going to go old school this morning. You notice there's no PowerPoint. There are no notes in your uh, bulletin. So you're going to have to pay attention and take your own notes this morning. But Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 has some very powerful things to say. Some hard things for us to deal with. And verse 7 it says, For whatever I had, what gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Now here we have Paul, in the preceding verses to that, talking about the status he held, who he was, his heritage. Paul had every right to say, I'm an important person. I'm a believer. Look at me. But what does Paul turn around and say to the Philippian church? He says, for whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. You see, this morning, it's not about you or I. It's not even about those people in Cameroon, the 279 languages that are there, and those people that are attached to those languages. It's about God. It's all for God. It's all for His glory, for His sake. And that kind of puts things in perspective when we're blessed with a position or a good job or things, that those things in relation to who God is and how important He is or how important He should be in our lives they're not worth a whole lot, are they? In comparison to God. Verse 8, it says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul's repeating himself here for emphasis. He goes, Indeed, I count everything Paul leaves nothing out. Everything is loss. What does he say about that, though? He says he suffered the loss. Ooh. Is that part of our calling as believers? To suffer? You know, as I look at our culture and, and where, where our culture is at today, and I'm 46 years old, I've been around for a while, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm not as old as some of you. And in Africa, gray hair is a sign of respect, so I give you respect this morning. But I've come to find out there are a lot of things in this life that don't last. There are a lot of things in this life that fade away. But the one thing that lasts is God and my relationship with Him. You know, it's, it's interesting, we talk about suffering. Several weeks ago, actually it's almost a month now, month and a half, 
I lost a dear friend. Ken and I grew up together in uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church. We sang in the church choir. We ran around youth group together. Um, We even went to college together in my later years at John Brown University. Tragically, as the world would say it, Ken lost his life in a car wreck at the age of 45 on his way to go skiing in Colorado. We don't know all the details of why it happened or what happened exactly. There's some speculation. But the bottom line is a semi wiped out half of a family. I had seen Ken last October. He and I had played soccer together. We grew up, both played soccer for rival high schools. We really had never played on the same field together. And so when we got to go home to John Brown University for the the homecoming, we got to play together for the first time. We were excited, and Ken and I went out for a meal with he and his family and got to know his kids a little bit better. And then months later, Ken is gone. And as I was standing at that funeral, and I want to say thank you to this church for sending me, being able to allow me to go to that funeral. Because God used it as a time to solidify some things in my life, but also for me to be able to be an encouragement to Ken's family, who we stayed with last summer, his parents, to comfort them in that time. It was amazing as we saw 2,000 people come to this service. I thought, what, God, what are you doing with this? Another high school buddy of mine, uh, Tim Smith, who grew up in that youth group, we sat at the funeral gravesite. We got later in the day, and Tim just kept saying over and over, he goes, this just doesn't feel right. And here he is, a pastor, and I know where his heart is with the Lord, but we all struggle with those things in life. We all hold on to our relationships are things. We look for comfort, for things to be always be good and perfect. But that's not the way life is. That's not God's calling on our life. You know, sometimes God allows us to go through suffering so that when we come on somebody else that may have lost a loved one or a dear one, and I'm looking to that day where God may use me in that ministry, of saying, yes, I lost somebody close to me. And this is what God took me through. And these are truths that God taught me that you can hold on to. So God allows us to go through suffering sometimes so that we can minister to others. But ultimately, it's for what? It's for God's glory. I like what it says in there. For, this, for his sake I have suffered, and again, we're in verse 8, suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Some translations say dung. The idea there in the original language is the worst refuse in the world. So when you go home today, be thankful for what you have, but also realize it's a dung heap. And when I started looking that way, and as I started realizing those things in my life that I've often held dearest and most important in relationship to knowing Jesus Christ, and being found in him, those things are absolute dung. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for showing that to me. I often say that. Verse 9, it says, Be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering. 
kind of suffering did Christ endure? Ridicule, didn't he? We often think of the pain of the cross. Matt's preached that even some of his family disagreed with him. All right? That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. It may cause us some pain in life, but ultimately, if we go to God and we shine through that, we shine for His glory, don't we? And as I go to the mission field, it's not always easy when I'm out in a village doing a recording. I don't want, I'm sharing these with you not to say, oh, poor missionary. I feel sorry for me. But to share with you what God has done in my life and He can do in yours on a daily basis. Whether you've been called to go or whether you've call, been called to be a sender. I may be out in a village where it may be 120 degrees. Or at night it may be 100 degrees in the house that I'm in and there's the fans just don't seem to be churning enough air to keep you cool. But God is good. And it reminds me that very often when I'm out in a village and, and, and enduring those hardships, that it's all worth it. A couple years ago, I was up in the far northern part of Cameroon, and it was 120 degrees during the day when we were doing the recording, 120 degrees in the shade, and didn't cool off till 10 o'clock at night. And I thought, boy, Lord, is this worth it? And as I went back to the capital city of Yaoundé to master the cassettes, finish up the recording, we sent them up on an airplane. And I always pray over the cassettes or the CDs or the, or the, the DVDs before they go out and say, God, use these for your glory. Reach the people that you want to reach with these materials. And so... Sometimes I get a story back from a translator or from the language team when I get to meet with them later times in the year. And Richard Gravine had shared with me, he said, you know those cassettes you sent up a couple months ago? And this is two years ago now. He said, God's been doing some amazing things. We had gone up there to record the Gospel of Mark. It took about a week to do, five days. And we endured a lot, a lot of hardship on that trip. And we sent the cassette back up, and he says, you know, there was a pastor at my house waiting for those cassettes. He knew I was going to pick them up that day from, from Marwa and come back to our village. And he took that cassette home that night. Had a group of people waiting at his house. And they listened to the whole Gospel of Mark all the way through. Gospel of Mark is about two hours when you listen to it. And I thought, wow, that's great. They listened to it all the way through. But you know what? Before, when they got done with the first time, they said, let's listen to it again. So now we're up to four hours. And before they would let that pastor go to bed that night, they listened to it a third time. Praise God that God's word is going forth. Now, I don't know the impact that it had on those people's lives, but I do know there was a hunger for God's word. I do know God was doing something with those cassettes. And God promises in his word that his word will not go forth void. It's going to have an effect wherever it goes. And so it's my prayer that with the Mbuko people, that those cassettes would go deep into their hearts. So I've been on an exploration of suffering for the last 18 months. Had another trip where we were doing a Jesus film, and God taught me probably one of the best lessons 
And right now I can say thank you and praise you, Lord, for taking me through that lesson. But at the time, it sure didn't feel like it. You see, we were out in a village, again, in the far north of Cameroon. It always seems like I have the worst troubles in the far northern part of Cameroon where it's hottest. But we were doing a Jesus film, dubbing it the Jesus film. And it was an amazing week. God, just things were firing. The computer was working well, and we were actually, normally it takes seven to ten days to finish a Jesus film. We were finished in six, and I was like, yes, we did it. Well, after we do the initial recording, then we have a group of people come in and watch the initial dub of the film before we do the final cleanup. Well, that night we finished the film, I had a headache, you know, and I went to bed and I thought, boy, that's a bad headache. Not thinking about where the headache was in my head, it was right up here in the front part, which is a good indication of those of you that have had malaria, that's a headache that accompanies malaria. That night was probably one of the worst nights of my life, physically. I not only had malaria, but came to find out later that I had amoeba as well. So things were flowing at both ends. And not to be gross, but that's a reality. And as I made multiple trips to the bathroom that night, and I went, went through the sweats, and I went through the chills, and then it was back to the sweats again, and then the chills, and the fever. I woke up this next morning, and I thought, God, what are you doing? I need to finish this film. Fortunately, I had a colleague with me, Korean man who spent a year with me to try out vernacular media, the, the work that we're doing in Cameroon. And he finished up everything. But I thought, God, this is not the way I would have planned this trip. Why did this happen? Very often when I travel on my, my laptop computer, I take a couple sermons because I know that I've got some downtime in the evenings and time where I... My family's not with me, and, and things you know, tend to get a little boring. So I was listening. I had a sermon. As I listened to that sermon, God convicted my heart. And God, it, was just, it was as if God was saying to me, Joe, I don't need you to fulfill my task. Wow. You know, Lord, you're right. And I learned that God does not need any of us to accomplish his work around the world. He chooses to use us for what? For his glory. Because if God needed me, that would make me God's benefactor. And the relationship is not where it's supposed to be. So today I thank God for malaria. <laughs> I thank God for that lesson learned that my relationship has grown in that area. God is on the throne and I'm not God. But as I continue to study through scriptures, and God has been working in my life in this area of suffering and the idea of suffering, God calls us to suffer. And part of that suffering is taking up our cross. So if you would now turn into your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. We're sharing out of three main passages this morning. This is the, it's the second one. Matthew chapter 16, verse 
it says, And then Jesus told his disciples, Anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life for my sake will find it. For what will, will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? That's what God has called us to do, to take up our cross daily. Our culture doesn't preach that. You know, it's interesting as we've lived in two different cultures, an African culture and this one, there are things that I really enjoy within those cultures that God uses to glorify himself. But on the other side of it, there are things that Satan uses within a culture to drag that culture down. And in Cameroon, we deal with syncretism where people sometimes will add Christianity on top of their tribal beliefs or their animistic beliefs. And our Cameroonian church that we're involved in preaches against that. It says, when you become a follower of Christ, you need to step away from those things. The last sermon I preached before I came back here to Camer- from Cameroon, I said, pray for my country. Because our country, my country is involved in syncretism too. The thing that we worship in this country is comfort, ease, stuff. He who dies with the most stuff wins, right? And we have to fight against that part of our culture every day. That's what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. To step out of your culture. It's not an easy thing to do. And even when we come back to the United States, we grew up here. We tend to slide back into our culture and those thoughts, and we have to say, no, that's not what God has for me. We need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. And for some of you this morning, God may may be calling you to go to another part of the world. We joined Wycliffe 10 years ago. I'm 46. You do the math. How old was I when I went to Cameroon when we joined Wycliffe? 36. That's, late. That's not right out of college, is it? And God's timing is always right. God has brought us through a series of th- events in our lives to get us ready to go. God's time is always perfect. I think back now, if I had gone 20 years ago, I would not have been ready to do what God has called me to do. And God may be getting you ready this morning, at whatever age you are, to do something fantastic for Him, to bring glory to Him, bring honor to Him. I'm reminded of Hank and Margrethe Zwart, a Dutch couple, who after Hank worked for Philips in Holland all his life, And in his retirement, what did he do? He came to Cameroon to be a personnel director for one of the largest branches within Wycliffe Bible Translators. My challenge to you this morning is, has God called you to be a goer or a sender? To take up your cross in that fashion? You know, most of you know that we've been involved in vernacular media, and that means giving people access to God's word in the language of their heart. 
And God has taught us some very valuable lessons as He's used us in that way. I'm reminded this morning of how many times God has come through in amazing ways. And it's because you've been part of that, how you've prayed, how you've given. Marty Geiger is now retired. She retired in December, a Swiss woman, who gave her life for the Daba people. She worked there for many years, single woman. That Jesus film that I caught malaria on was for the Daba people. And God touched my heart in so many ways, not just with the malaria and the amoeba, the sickness that I had. But towards the end of that film, there was a woman who came in about 9 o'clock in the morning. And I like to find out about these people that that we're working with and get to know them. And very often we'll have a break for water and a cookie or something. And we'll sit down and say, tell me how you came to know Jesus Christ or what's God been doing in your life. Well, I came to find out that this one woman who had read only three lines for the film had an amazing story. Three lines. You see, that woman had got up at midnight the night before and walked nine hours to read three lines in a film. Walked through darkness down a mountain to read three lines in a film. And I asked her, I said, why? Why would you do something like that? Well, she was excited about being part of the film. She she said, more importantly, she said, I want people to know my Jesus. And I hope that's a challenge you this morning. Are you willing to suffer, to walk those nine hours down the mountain in the darkness just to do what that small thing that maybe God has called you to do? You know, I look at the task that we're, I'm doing as a missionary, and in comparison to God, it's a small thing, in comparison to what he's doing around the world. I'm very thankful that God has called me to be a missionary. Because God allows me to glimpse into what he's doing around the world, and it's awesome. Well, our job description changed a few weeks ago. And don't worry, we're not staying home. We are returning to Cameroon. But shortly after Ken's funeral, actually during Ken's funeral, there was an email waiting for me in my box for our incoming director for Cameroon. And I called Donna to check in with her when I landed in Wichita. I said, I made it. Things are going well. We're waiting for some of our other friends to show up from college. And I could tell something wasn't right at home. I could tell, you know, I've been married to Donna for 20 years, and I can tell Something wasn't quite, quite, quite there. I said, what's going on? She goes, oh, nothing. <laughs> I said, what's going on? And she said, I don't want to worry you. She goes, you've got enough to deal with this weekend, this week. And, I, and I, that was about the worst thing you could say to me, you know, because I'd be want, worrying about it for the next two days until I got home. And she says, you got an email from Nailis. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, what did it say? He says, we have to talk. Well, I got back, and within a day of getting ba- after getting back, I got a phone call from Cameroon from the new incoming director. And he asked me to do a job. And my first reaction was gulp. I've been asked to be the new personnel director for the Cameroon branch. It's a tremendous task. It's a job description that's six and a half pages long. 
And it's an impossible task because I look at this job. I look at it and say, God, there's no way I can do this. And God says, remember what you've been learning? As I struggled with this, and Donna's first reaction, you know what her first reaction to this was? No. <laughs> but as we've prayed about it, we've sought wise counsel, we've shared with people that, we, that, we, that our hearts have been shared close to, that know us well, people have been praying for us. You know, within about a week, we had a piece about that. I came to the conclusion, I looked at my spiritual gifts, I looked at where God has taken me from, and you know, a few months ago, God drew me across a passage about older men sharing with younger men. I'm no longer a rookie missionary. I've been in, we've been involved with Wycliffe for 10 years. It's time for me to step up to the plate and do something different. God has called me to do something different. A large portion of what I'll be doing is caring for other missionaries. Some of those translators that are stuck out in the remote areas and day after day are slogging it through it, the heat, so that somebody might get God's word in the language of their heart. I'll be overseeing six budgets. I'll be overseeing children's education, the spiritual life of the branch, and so many things. I, I don't have time. There are about 13 different areas of responsibility. But as the director said, he said, Joe, I know that you've got a heart for people. We've seen that in you. We've seen your pastor's heart. And so we'd like you to step into this role. Well, I made the phone call back, or sent the email back to Cameron and said, Nailis, we'll take it. We'll do it. This is God, we feel like this is what God would have us do at this point in our lives. It's a step of faith. It's something new that I've never done. I really love the recording aspect of what we're doing and seeing people gain access to God's word. But as I was talking to a colleague here in Temecula, he said, I want you to look at this as this. It's not that you're minimizing your ministry. God is expanding the ministry through you. That you're going to be having an effect on all those that will have an effect on all those. And so I praise God for that. My challenge to you this morning is where are you in this relationship to your calling? Are you being obedient? Are you a goer or a sender? Are you taking up your cross daily and following Christ? You know, it's never too late to start. And I love that hymn we sang this morning. I was fanning through a, through a hymnal, and I don't know why this came out. We were at another church, and I was waiting to get, to, to get up and speak, and I was looking through the hymnal, and that hymn just jumped out at me. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Lord, for thee. And that hymn goes through and says, take every part of me, everything that I have, and make it yours. And that's what God is calling us to do. You and I. To count it all loss, to give it back to God, and to daily die to ourselves, to step out of our culture and serve him, glorify him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we are indeed grateful to be called yours. And Lord, it's my prayer that each and every one of us would really understand what it means to follow after you, to take up our cross, and to daily glorify you. Lord, help us to be obedient because we can't do it in ourselves. 
draw us to yourself. Teach us the things that you would have us learn, Lord, even the hard things and suffering, that you might be glorified above all else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about this message, Rancho Baptist Church, or simply about knowing God in a deeper way, you can contact us on our website at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org or you can simply call us at area code 951-676-2911. May the Lord richly bless you in your walk with Him.